South Africa's energy provision plan and Tanzania's cautious introduction of a digital currency. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. Your main story is brought to you by INM Bank PLC. INM Bank Rwanda, we are on your side. As inter-regional trade within the East African community hit $10 billion, countries within the community are working to enhance the benefits of the community. The intra-ESC trade accounting for imports and exports in the seven ESC partner states grew from 13% in 2019 at a value of $7.1 billion to 15% in 2021 at a value of $9.5 billion. A call doc... Managing partner at Oras Consulting joins us for this episode to expound on how South Sudan can further harness the benefits of the East African community. South Sudan is uh, one of the newest members of the East Africa community, and it was admitted right before uh, DR Congo was admitted, and it's considered it's the world's youngest country now. So it has to consider that regional integration, what are the options available for South Sudan in terms of regional integration, the political, the economic, and then the social implications that come with a regional body like the East Africa community. And number one, we start with political. With the political integration, now the regional bloc is going to have to have one voice when it comes to voting on certain issues in the African Union, in the United Nations, and in dealing with a, a lot of very different global crises. And this is going to be halved in tune. Sometimes countries will have to sacrifice some of their sovereignty in order to be part of the group. And so this will also help South Sudan politically because now South Sudan can receive support from the, the East African community in terms of peace initiatives, as we saw with how President Museveni and President, uh, uh, former President Uhuru Kenyatta played a role in the peace process in South Sudan. And recently we see it with the new President Ruto, President Ruto providing support to some of the graduated forces of the, who were supposed to be integrated into the army. Those are the political things. Then in the economic things, we have to look at South Sudan needs to be aware of the common currency, which is now there's a push by the East African community to have one currency, uh, have the East African shilling. And the idea behind this is to have a, a central bank that governs all the member states. And it's going to be interesting how South Sudan adjusts to this because it's a new country. It's just developing its uh, monetary and financial framework. And how is it going to have to adjust this framework in term and, and ensure that it's in line with regional integration in terms of the monetary sector. So that means the central bank of East Africa will be one that governs the East African shilling, and it can change, have policy ramifications for South Sudan in terms of its uh, currencies and how uh, its trade policy will work. And then you have the issue of free trade, and the free trade goes in line with the regional integration. If South Sudan now can have a common currency with other countries that it trades in, and South Sudan buys most of its goods from Kenya, from Uganda, it will be using the East Africa shilling as opposed to using the South Sudanese pound to get dollars and then dollars to get Ugandan shilling and get Kenyan shillings or get Tanzanian shillings, etc. So this can actually have positive impacts on a country like South Sudan, who's a big importing country, which means if it does have any X dollars that it brings and hard currency that it brings, this hard currency can stay in the country or in the block and it wouldn't be affected. 
And then there's the issue of trade policy. A lot of countries are proposing free trade between the countries. And the implications for this country is that South Sudan does not export a lot. The only thing that it exports is crude oil. And this crude oil is exported to international markets. And then it's importing refined petroleum products. The benefit of free trade is if South Sudan were to develop a refinery. If it were to develop a refinery, refine the crude that it has. And it can be the biggest supplier in the market. And the two countries who are poised to do that are South Sudan, Congo, and Uganda. Uh, considering their hydrocarbon potential. And then on, t- on, on top of that, South Sudan should be aware of the joint infrastructure projects. There's a big push by the East African community to have joint infrastructure integration to ensure that accessibility of roads from South Sudan, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo. And the countries that are most focused on this are Congo and South Sudan due to the conflict and due to the lack of development in the country. So this can be a benefit. South Sudan may be- have access to funds have access to loans, access to credit to build some of these infrastructure projects, which in turn can contribute to security and the integration. And it's in line with trade policy because now South Sudanese can begin to produce goods locally and export them to the regional countries the same way they, their regional neighbors export goods to them. So those are the many potentials. So South Sudan has a lot of potential in the East Africa community, and it just needs to be awakened to ensure that the integration is mutually beneficial. And there's going to be ups and downs. And there's many critics who argue that uh, regional integration makes the East African community one country. So countries will forfeit their sovereignty because the sovereignty is based on your military, your your currency. So if you forfeit your currency, what's left is that countries have less to do with their security policy. But also within the framework of the EAC, there's going to be enhanced political and economic, uh, uh, political, economic and security uh, cooperation, as we saw now with South Sudan sending troops to Congo. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Tanzania Central Bank says it's working towards a phased, cautious and risk-based introduction of a digital currency for the East African nation. The Bank of Tanzania will continue to monitor research and collaborate with stakeholders, including other central banks, in an effort to arrive at a suitable and appropriate use and technology for the issuance of the Tanzanian shilling in digital form. This is according to a statement on its website. The bank gave no time frame for when its deliberations might be complete or when a launch could be expected. The central bank said its researchers were exploring the issuance of different forms of central bank currencies, including tokenized and account-based digital currency. The Bank of Tanzania said its research has shown that six countries have scrapped their plans of digital currency adoption so far, mainly due to structural and technological challenges in the implementation phase. Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari is pushing lawmakers to let him add an unpaid $50 billion overdraft from the central bank to the country's public debt pile, despite concerns about the legality of the borrowing. The outgoing head of state had asked the Senate to approve his plan to convert 22.7 trillion naira, about $50.4 billion in advances from the Central Bank of Nigeria into bonds that will be repayable over decades. The move would immediately boost the country's official debt load by more than half propelling Nigeria's debt-to-GDP ratio towards the 40% limit set by the administration. The IMF Fund and World Bank already include the central bank loans in their calculations of Nigeria's debt stock. The overdraft is more than the total debt of Ghana or Bahrain or more than twice that of Tunisia or Iceland. The matter will be near the top of the agenda when senators resume work on January 17th Almost three weeks after the upper chamber suspended a rowdy emergency session to consider the president's request. 
South Africa has a plan to improve energy provision that will end the need for power cuts within the 12 to 18 months. This is according to Finance Minister Enoch Godongwana. Godongwana says eventually in the next 12 to 18 months, they will be able to say load shedding is a thing of the past. He says the so-called stage six power cuts, which means at least six hours a day without power for most South Africans would no longer be needed within the five months as facilities are revamped and measures such as demand management take effect. Godongwana insisted that the rand, which earlier on Monday fell against the dollar as investors worried about the power supply situation, has proven to be resilient. But he said South Africa needs to better communicate that it is tackling the energy crisis problem. Ghana has granted Vodafone International Holdings approval to sell its 70% stake in Vodafone Ghana to Telcel Group. The National Communications Authority of Ghana approved the sale after Telcel submitted a revised financial and technical proposal in December. The NCA had turned down an initial sale plan submitted by Vodafone Ghana early last year as it did not meet the required regulatory standards. The NCA said the revised proposal provides more clarity on funding required for the transaction and met the regulatory threshold. Thank you for always waking up with us from more than 700 cities and 112 countries. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is akfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe.